This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. We are here tonight with uh, my friend Hunter and Hunter, I don't know much about you, but I am like everything I've seen says I want to know more. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I've been in recovery now for almost two years. Oh, good for you. Yeah. So it, it'll be two years, June fifth, which is the same day as my birthday. Like your belly button birthday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The last time I used, I was like, let's just party up, and not a good idea. Um, <laughs> so I, um, I'll do a little bit of my backstory. Sure. My dad was an alcoholic and an addict, and um, he passed away, actually, three three days before I found out that I got a bed for Alcove a couple years ago. Oh, okay. And I'm sorry to hear he passed away. It's I, I didn't know him that well, mm-hmm. um, but what I did know of him, like I met him when I was 18, and I he was out of my life for my younger years, thank God for my mom, mm-hmm. because she... Uh, she got out of a bad situation with him and and raised us all by herself. Um, I I love her so much. I love you, mom. I know mm-hmm. I know she's gonna listen to this. So um, <laughs> we love you, mom. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I met him when I was eighteen because, of course, you grow up without a dad. You're curious, mm-hmm. right? So I um, I met him when I was eighteen, and and he was sober. He was in AA. He was trying, mm-hmm. right? Um, and yeah, I, uh, when I fell off the wagon really hard, um, he was the only person I called because my, my family, you know, thank God for me was, we're not going to enable me anymore. Mm -hmm. And so the only person of my family who was going to, uh, take any of my calls was my dad who Mm -hmm. knew what it was like. And he was using too. And so we had lots of long conversations about, you know, what life would have been like if he had figured his shit out and was able, like, if he was able to stay on the wagon mm. and what, you know, how, how different our lives would be. And, uh, yeah, the last conversation I had with him, um, he was just obliterated. Mm. And we were talking about, um, we were talking about the things the physical abuse that he that he uh did to my mom Mm -hmm. and that he was just so like he's so sorry 
and that he could not like he could not figure out how to stop and so i i remember that conversation and it it was in my head when i my mom actually was the one who who had told me the news that he had passed away mm-hmm. and um that was the conversation that i kept replaying in my head was that he was sorry but he was he genuinely felt you know guilt shame remorse mm-hmm. um but he had this disease right yeah. that he passed to me and that um you know i that i just i hope and pray that my kids never have to go through what i went through or what my dad went through or what any of us have gone through right i mean it's 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 terrible mm-hmm. um but yeah so he uh he was a big part of the reason why I stuck with it though. Yeah. And like he gave me the inspiration um to to push through it, right? Cuz I when when I found out and my mom told me like it was I I don't ever want my kids to feel mm-hmm. what what I felt in that moment, right? Of was there something that I could have done? Was there something that I could have said yeah. to make him, you know, get better, get sober? and not have this disease take him right and so i i uh yeah i'm just i'm so incredibly grateful for the life i have now and like the last couple of years have just been absolutely incredible like mm-hmm. i i honestly i could not say enough good things about it um yeah i'll start kind of where where it all started i was i was 14 mm-hmm. when i smoked my first joint and um, I started smoking cigarettes and hanging out with the cool kids who were at mm. the back of the school in the smoke pit and <laughs> missing classes. And um, it's so funny what we thought the cool kids were, hey? Oh my god! Right? It's so crazy. Like it's so crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. And then and then you think you're one of them, but mm. you really know you're not, right? <laughs> you're like, oh, I know I'm not one of you. Yeah. But I definitely knew I yeah. wasn't cool too. Yeah, yeah I, I but we that. still hung out with them because we thought they were cool. I'm sure they mm. had the same thing running through their head. Like, oh my God, they're going to see that I'm a fraud. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's high school, right? Yeah. You're so insecure. Like, mm. I have never met one person who said they weren't insecure through high school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty tough to be secure when you don't have a clue what the fuck's going on. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You just, you fake it till you make it and then you just never really make it. That's right. Like, yeah. my, my early adult life has been proving that to me more and more. <laughs> where I'm just like, my house right now, I'm like, it looks like I'm losing a game of Jumanji. <laughs> like, I don't have any, like, I just, you know, thank God for God because without that I'd be, I'd be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse my language. Oh, you could swear. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I was, I was fourteen, thinking I had it all together, and um, my mom uh, had a cancer scare, hmm. and I, uh, I panicked, right, like any fourteen-year-old would do. Um, what ifs, and and you know, I, she was, she was battling a lot within herself, hmm. and that was hard to take as a 14 year old and you as a 14 year old girl you all you already struggle with being friends with your mom and where that line is of caretaker and you know friendship and wanting to that that to build and then wanting to have independence right mm-hmm. and so i i really struggled with that and um we fought a lot 
uh, to the point where I was like, yeah, I can make it on my own. So that's what I'm going to do. And uh, I was dating a guy in high school, same, same grade as me. And I remember we were living in this tiny town in Isville. I don't think, I don't think anyone knows. <laughs> it's so tiny. And there's a little, there's a little motel there. Just shady as fuck. Like, <laughs> it's the shadiest fuck. They let a 14, two 14 year olds book a room for the month and stay mm. there. And of course we had no money to pay for this. Like we didn't have jobs. We were, you know, delinquents. Mm. And uh, we started car hopping and breaking into people's cars at night to pay for our hotel room and our drinks and our drugs and our mm. smokes and whatever. And, and um, we ended up getting caught. Mm. Um, and I was, I think I was 16. Nope, I was, I think, yeah, no, I was, 15, I was 16 when I got caught. And... Um, I got arrested and it was the scariest moment of my fucking life yeah. <laughs> as a 16 year old in the back of a cop car going, you're under arrest for theft over $5,000. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to jail. Like, <laughs> My life is over. Mm-hmm. Like, um, contemplating suicide in the backseat of this cop car. 14 like, years old, eh? 16. 16. Okay. Yeah. 16. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I like, uh, I remember going to the police station and they took our statements and there was me and my boyfriend and my friend and and we were just in there just I'm sure just all of us were just shitting our pants like we were just like it it was over <laughs> and um, I uh, I got sick and they tested me for pregnancy and I found out that I was pregnant hmm. inside the cop inside the cop station. Um, and yeah, so I, I got very lucky. Um, I got a conditional discharge, Mm -hmm. which meant that if I did all my probation that I could get off scot-free and, uh, and I was like, all right, I'm down for that. I was pregnant anyways. So there was Mm -hmm. not much that I was going to be doing. Um, but it forced me back into my mom's house. And of course me and my independent thinking and, oh, I'm going to do it all myself and I can do it and it's fine. And, and, uh no help from anyone like I would not accept help and mm. and still very rebellious still very I can do it you know leave me alone um and I did it I went through my I you know I got to every court date and um no breaches and um had the baby which is Milo it's my oldest mm-hmm. um my angel like um, I named him Milo M Y L O, and it's short for my love. Oh, and yeah, he's uh, he's amazing. But um, I had the baby, and six months later, I got hit with the uh, baby blues, hmm. really bad, um, to the point where I like, what was more important to me, and I I also like I struggling with addiction right yeah. at at sixteen seventeen years old, um my mom saw me and saw the path that I was on and she said, you know, you, you can leave him here and you can just go and get it out of your system. She's like, but you can't stay here anymore. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm tired of chasing you around looking for your son. And like, 
I, I had a choice and I took it. And uh, I found the only place, <laughs> the only place that would rent a room to a 17 year old kid mm. um, was, yeah, shady as fuck once again, right? Like, <laughs> there's no getting around it. There's a theme. If they're renting a room to a 17 year old, it's shady. Like, yeah. that's just what it is. Yeah. Um, and I went there, and within the month, I was offered methamphetamine mm-hmm. as a sugar substitute that would give me energy. And I was putting on my coffee and I was drinking methamphetamine for about two months and I got you, addicted to it. Jesus. You put, so you put meth inside of coffee. Yeah. That's how they got me. Right. Like they yeah. were, I, I later what found the out, fuck happened when I you later drank found that out they were, they were making it in the basement. Like they were, so the where we were living, yeah, it was a bunch of guys. Um, there was two other girls there. Um, all of us had our own rooms, you know, two hundred bucks a month, and they were cooking it in the basement. And like, and so they were, what they were doing essentially was they were roping young people mm-hmm. into this, offering them drugs for free to try, getting them hooked, and then going. Now you got to pay. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happened. And, and I found myself there. I was like, how do I get this into my system? Because I, I needed it at that point. Like I was like, whatever I can do, mm-hmm. like I, I, and I need it in me faster because it start, stopped working after yeah. a while. Right. And so I started smoking it. And uh, a couple months later, I met um, my ex-fiance and uh, he, he tried it. He was like, I'll try it, whatever. And he was in a, he was in his party stage two. And um, he looked at me and I was so in love with him when I first met him. He was like the sun and the moon and mm-hmm. he could do no wrong in my eyes. And he said, I'll try it once and, and then we'll talk. And he tried it with me and we had a crazy night. I don't even remember what we really did. But at the end of the night in the morning, actually, at like 11 o'clock as we were just coming down and like going to bed he's like he's like i can't ever do this again because i will like we're gonna die he's like if you want to be with me you need to stop too and so i made the choice to stop and he moved me out to lloydminster and we had uh we had great times together and um he, uh, yeah, it, we, we did it on our own though. Like we didn't know any mm-hmm. of the recovery things. We didn't, we were too wrapped up in our egos, I think, to ever ask for help or reach out for help. And so we were drinking still and, um, occasionally going out and, and, uh, things were good for a while, um, until they weren't and we broke up and I took it really hard. Um, Kaylin was born in that time and, and, uh, so I was a single mom with two kids. Um, I didn't know what in the fuck I was doing because financially he had worked and I had stayed home with them and that was comfortable for me because, you know, I'm self-serving. Mm-hmm. I've always been that way. <laughs> um, and I know he's listening to this too, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I've luckily it's not live. Well, so. I mean, and before, like before I really found recovery, mm-hmm. 
I the earliest memories I have of, of me being selfish. Mm. And like I can remember that that's a huge trait of mine. Yeah. Like is that I was just always self-seeking, always looking for ways I could get around other people needing things so that I could get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I I can remember the relationship being like that. Like it was um and I mean it's not all one-sided and and not. he he knows that too and and so we but we parted very um devastatingly like it was mm. the big fight and and you know the prolonged like moving things out and crying and hysterical and i ended up moving into a small apartment with my two kids and i had not a fucking clue what i was doing mm-hmm. um couldn't take care of myself financially started using um cocaine and lesser i i say lesser drugs very like very carefully yeah, very carefully because I mean, all drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Don't do them. Yeah, it um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I started using quote unquote lesser drugs, mm-hmm. and uh, it quickly, quickly spiraled. Mm. I was spending my money on booze and uh, dope, and I stopped paying my rent. And so my mother, as always, who's always been there for me said, okay, you have to move back home. That's what you have to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I moved back home with my two kids. Well, I mean, as I knew, I knew as a 17 year old that me and my mom are, we had a hard time living together Mm -hmm. because our, you know, we, we don't, we didn't agree on much um, because I was self-serving and she could see right through me. And (laughs) um, I, uh, (laughs) yeah. Good recognition though. Oh yeah. No, like totally. Total accountability for that. I am. Mm-hmm. I was a terrible teenager, like a terrible teenager, and I know that now. Like, of course, you never see it in the moment. Yeah. You always think the world is out to get you, and you always think that um, it's always somebody else's problem, or it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's never it's never your fault when you're a teenager. And so she knew that she saw right through it because, yeah. and she, you know, and and as she's told me, she was the same way when she was a teenager, right? Like that's just that's who we are. Um, we don't know any better, mm-hmm. right? We're just, we're out there exploring. Anyway, so she, she said, come home and, you know, we'll, we'll figure things out. Um, but being at home was less accountability mm-hmm. because I knew that I could take advantage of my mom and that, you know, we, that I wouldn't, when I, when I moved back there, the first thing I thought of was, oh, I have a live-in babysitter, mm-hmm. of course. And, um, and I could go partying. And that's exactly what happened. And it wasn't long, I think it was a month that we were there before I ended up just taking off. Um, and I left my kids there. I remember the day I left and I was crying and um, she actually had left 10 days earlier to go to my cousin's wedding, which was in BC. And I was supposed to follow up there because she said, you need a break, obviously. Like, I'll take the kids for 10 days and you'll have 10 days just to yourself to relax. And, uh, yeah, I made it to the wedding. I made it in the doors to the wedding. And I realized very quickly, like, I was high at the wedding. And um, I was like, I can't be here. Like, I... I think my mom has always told me that she's like, at least you had the strength to walk away from your kids Mm -hmm. when you weren't capable of taking care of them. Um, 
because it, it doesn't happen very often. There's, you know, there's a lot of parents out there who think they're okay and they can, they can get by on being high and being, and having that around their kids. And mm-hmm. she, she's always told me, she's like, at least you have the strength to just walk away from them. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, yeah, I walked away. I went all the way to Vancouver. Um, and Things did not go well in Vancouver. <laughs> no, I was living in my car on Spanish banks, actually. Oh, for yeah. Like, yeah, in the middle of summer, um, which was great because I could spend all my money getting high and I didn't have to worry about anything mm-hmm. besides gas. And even then, like we, I remember sitting on in the in the car with no gas for like weeks, um, and just sitting in the car and sleeping in the car. And then mm-hmm. I'd go to the beach or whatever. And um, but I I met. Uh, a man down there who um, seemed really great at first. Like, he mm-hmm. seemed like, you know, seemed like a nice guy. He seemed like he had his shit together. Um, and I, he offered me a place to stay and I took it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things turned very ugly very quickly. Like, I wasn't allowed to leave. Mm-hmm. And, like, eventually him just telling me I wasn't allowed to leave wasn't enough. There was a lock on my door. And uh, I was in that situation for probably about eight months. Mm. And um, I can I can kind of remember I was in a drug haze like there for the whole time. Like it was like it was like an eight month bender. Mm. Right? Where I was just so controlled um, so taken advantage of. And I remember um, I got sick and I was like, there's not one fucking chance that I'm pregnant. There can't be because I have, I have so much drugs in my system. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't be pregnant. And I just remember thinking that and I, I, uh, we got into a fight, a really big fight. Like I needed to go to the doctor and he, um, just would not allow me to leave the house. Like I wasn't allowed to leave the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, he physically assaulted me for about a half an hour. And finally, um, someone called the cops and the cops showed up. Mm-hmm. And he took my phone away. He took my IDs. Like he, you know, he wanted to make sure that I was stranded mm-hmm. and that I had no way out. Um, luckily, um, my ex-fiance, sorry, my ex-fiance was the only number that I could remember off by hand. Like Mm -hmm. I, it was the only one that I had in my brain and I found the cop actually took me to a Tim Hortons and I called him and he didn't pick up and I called him again and he didn't pick up and I just kept calling. And I remember when he picked up and he was like, who is this? And I was like, I, I just, like, I bawled, and I was, I was just hurt. And it was, um, I think this was May, and May 2018. And I uh, ended up picking me up, and we got a place together. And I tried to get clean on my own again, um, which didn't work. And then through May, I was miserable and you know uh like withdrawing really bad and on june 5th i picked up for the last time and he said 
get out. He said, get your ass out of my house. He's like, I can't do this. We, you know, we are, we always promised each other we would never cross that line and he crossed it and he kicked me out, um, put 300 bucks in my pocket, said, I, I can't do any more than that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I got in my car and I remember I was sitting at a Burger King actually and I was looking at the 300 cash in my hand and I was going, I could drive into the city and I could get really fucked and really high and all of the problems that I thought I had right now and all the hurt and all the pain of literally taking my last resource and just throwing it away mm-hmm. would all it would all go away like it would all just disappear into thin air um and then uh, a song came on the radio it's uh called you're gonna miss this i think it's called i think it's by trace adkins but i'm not 100 percent sure mm-hmm. but it's it um it talks about the stages your kids go through okay. and i don't know why it hit, it hit a nerve for me mm-hmm. and i i filled up my gas tank and I started back to Alberta. And I got to my grandparents' house. Actually, I didn't I didn't get all the way there. I got to Golden and then my car turned off because mm-hmm. I wasn't paying the bill on my car. And they can do that now. They can just turn off your car and you're yeah. stranded. So I was stranded in Golden for a few days. Nobody would help me. Mm-hmm. None of my family members would help me. Um because they they were afraid, right? Yeah. I mean, I like if looking at it now and in that situation, like where I am today, and if I saw even like my sister or someone, and if I had done, if she had done all the things that I had done to her, yeah. there's no fucking way I would have picked her up and pulled it. Like, yeah. you want it, you want this, <laughs> you need to get there. Like, yeah. that's it. And so I, um, I ended up hot wiring my vehicle. <laughs> which I don't recommend to do. Don't ever hotwire your vehicle. It'll get repoed immediately. But I made it back to Olds, mm-hmm. where my grandparents live. And um, I remember I was sitting at the gate and I was like, you're, you know, if you go in there, that's the last time. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, you know, and they might send you back out on your ass, but you, you know, this is the only, this is the only person you have left is, is your grandparents. Live. And uh, I was sitting at the gate of their house wondering if I should turn around Mm -hmm. and I I don't know what it was I I mean I I say I say I don't know what it was but I know it was God and it was my higher power pushing me into that gate and going you need to get your shit together Mm -hmm. right now like if you you have the willingness right now to do it and you might not tomorrow yeah right and so I took I took it I walked up to the door pregnant and uh and they let me in and uh ended up they were like you need to get yourself into treatment like we can't we can we can let you stay here until you get into treatment and then after that you know we'll see we'll talk mm-hmm. and um the trust took a long time to rebuild I bet. and because i like i had fucked everyone over over and over and over again mm-hmm. like this is just this is the short story the short version of of what I really like what I really did to them was very like it was just it was wrong it was sick right mm-hmm. like it was and because I took advantage of everyone in my life anyone that I could possibly 
manipulate I did. Mm-hmm. And if you if I couldn't manipulate you, then why in the fuck were we in the same room? Mm-hmm. Like and and I'm just I I am so grateful, right? Um because that kind of love, the love to tell an addict in your life, tell an alcoholic in your life, I will help you this one last time. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right? And uh I ended up getting myself into treatment and my dad passed away. And uh yeah, uh treatment was three months. I met some amazing people in there and um out of treatment, I I had baby the day after I had graduated from treatment. Hmm. Um and that's Archie. He's uh my little <laughs> my little angel. Little Archie. Little Archie. <laughs> little little pumpkin patch. <laughs> um he's uh he's never gonna know what he's never gonna feel, you know, the abandonment that I put my older ones through. Mm-hmm. And I I'm just you know, I look at them with so much love, all three of them, like, you know, they they went through a lot too. They didn't even know it really, yeah. but they went through a lot too. And you know, one day we'll have that conversation and I'm sure that, you know, they'll hear this eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully. Um <laughs> hopefully they'll be old enough to understand it. But um I uh yeah, I got out of treatment and I found the most amazing sponsor. Like I started going to the meetings every day mm-hmm. because I was um, I, I'd heard from people who had graduated treatment before me that the first couple of weeks out of treatment are the hardest because all of a sudden there's, you go from having everything, there's full mm-hmm. accountability. Like you have your, you know, your counselors that you have to be accountable to, but then you have your roommates you have to be accountable to. Yeah. And, and there's rules and regulations and it's easy to stay clean when you have a lot of eyes on you. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you get out, it's, 180 percent different like it's just like it's it's a total it's a total flip and that's how i felt too like i i had brand new baby i had like known history of postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and so i got out of treatment and i got into my own place i remember sitting there and just being so lonely and like Mm -hmm. i had this beautiful baby boy and i was like okay i'm like I'm dealing with this again mm-hmm. and uh, thank God for my family and being able to be open with them because I didn't just do nothing this time yeah. and didn't, you know, sit on my ego and go, I don't need help. I can do this by myself. Yeah. Um, I went in and got professional help and, and luckily like was able to come to the meetings. I had lots of time on my hands. Mm-hmm. Right. And went to a lot of meetings and met a lot of amazing people in recovery and it's just been, it's been so incredible. Like, um, a few, I think about a month after I graduated from treatment, I went on a sponsor hunt. Oh yeah. And uh, I found the most amazing sponsor. I love her so much. She is, um, she means the world to me. She, she when I when I woke when I walked up to her, she was like, she's like, uh, yeah, yeah, we can do the steps, but um, you know, I'm not gonna be. I'm not going to chase you around. Mm-hmm. She's like, you, if you want to do this, you got to, you got to go halfway. Right. Yeah. And, um, I, 
I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do anything. Like, I need to stay clean this time. Like, I, I don't think I have, I don't think I have the capacity to go through the hurt and the heartache and the lying and the manipulating all over again. And then back to the, the trust building. I was like, I don't think I have that in me again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that desperation yeah. Right. They call it like the divine desperation or something when mm. you are literally willing to do everything and anything that it takes to stay sober yeah. and to get recovered. That's um that's what happened. Mm. And I still I still feel that. Like I like even just like even almost two years later, yeah, I still feel that desperation and that I will literally do anything to never go back to that place again. Mm. Um and so I I did the steps and oh my gosh, I have to tell you about this actually because this is really Please do. awesome. Um, my step one through um, four or one through three, I got, I got to four. Four was really hard for me as I'm mm-hmm. sure it is for most people. And, and it can be, yeah. yeah, it's uh, where you look at all of your shit <laughs> and you go, all right, this is shit. And um, yeah, I I remember going through it and being as honest as possible and like ruthless on myself. My sponsor was like, you know, you're not responsible for some of these things, Mm -hmm. which I always thought I was. I was like, this is always like, it's always going to be my fault. I'm the black sheep, right? Like that's, that's just, Mm -hmm. that's my MO. Like, and, um, and I looked at it and she's, she's like, you know, you've been through a lot, you know, for someone Mm -hmm. so, so young and, um, She's like, you need to be, you need to be gentle with yourself. Um, and I, uh, I, she's, she told me to go do my step five at the mount. And at this point, like, I'm still a little bit agnostic. I was willing to believe, and like, mm. I, you know, I was uh, definitely on the fence, looking in the direction of believing, but on the fence for sure. Yeah. And I went and did my step five at the mount, and it was so awkward. It was gray and cloudy when I walked in there, and and then, uh, yeah, I I got in there and I sat down with this guy who's wearing this head to toe robe, and I'm like, try not to laugh, and like, <laughs> <laughs> I honestly like I'm, I'm such a millennial that way. I'm just like, no, <laughs> don't no. touch me, priest. <laughs> right? Hands to yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, oh, you want to take me in this small closet area and talk about everything that I've ever done in my life? No, thank you. Why are the lights off in here? Why are the lights off? (laughs) Exactly, right? And so I'm just sitting there in this room and talking, and we're just sitting, like, like across from each other, and there's this little table, and he's like, okay, just start reading it to me. And I'm like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, just read it. I don't even know you. Like, (laughs) buy me a drink first. (laughs) Just kidding. No, just kidding. Oh, that would have been awesome if you just said that. (laughs) No. He probably would have laughed. He's probably heard that shit before. But, like, I was just, I was seriously trying not to laugh. Like, I was like, this is a joke. Like, (laughs) that's far out. I was like, I'm never going to ever see you again in my life. So I'll be fine. Um, hopefully you don't also work at the grocery store that I attend. Like, <laughs> we're, like I don't ever want to cross paths with you. Um, yeah. no. And I, I was, I, I got it all out. I just read it word for word as I had it on my, on my paper that mm-hmm. my sponsor gave me. And, and, um, yeah, I remember I walked out of there and we prayed before we ended it. And, and, um, 
I walked out of there all by myself. Like, and normally I have three kids trailing after me. Mm-hmm. So this was all by myself um, right before, like, a, I think it was like a, a week or two before my one year. And I walked out of there and the sun started shining and it started raining. Mm. I remember just, I probably looked like a total fucking idiot. <laughs> but I was standing in the parking lot. My, my car is parked all the way on the opposite side. And I'm standing in the parking lot. I just look up and I just start like hysterically laughing. <laughs> I could not figure out what was wrong with me. I was like, what is happening? I'm just looking at like, like, oh my God, this is hilarious. And um, and then I started crying. Hmm. And I was just like, I just felt so just completely like light. Mm-hmm. And like, there's no other way of describing that. I know it's such a weird, like talking about your spiritual experience and your spiritual awakening. And that's what I, essentially that it was. Cause mm-hmm. I read up all, all about it when I got home. I was yeah. like, did I just have a spiritual awakening? Is that what just happened to me? <laughs> but um, like we can make a living off this, just put a price tag on yep. it, put it on the internet. But no, I was like, I, I stood there and I just, I just remember feeling so light. And I, I called my sponsor when I got in my car and uh, I told her what had happened. And she's like, that's awesome. That's really good. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> I feel like mm-hmm. the same person now. Like, yeah. And I just, I, um, I don't know. Since then, I just like, I, I started understanding. And I, when I went to the meetings after I did my step five mm-hmm. and when I was doing step work after my step five, I just like, I started understanding more. And I just stopped fighting so much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, before, before that, I was fighting with everything. Yeah. You know, the, you know, I, if I couldn't do something properly, I was fighting it. Yeah. Right. Um, if something made me uncomfortable, I would fight it. Um, and not like externally where I'm like, Hey, want to fight? But like mm-hmm. internally, right. There was always a, there was always chaos and there was always a struggle to get things perfect and to get things the way I needed them to be. Um, or to get to a place of comfort within myself, yeah. right? You know, my kids didn't listen. I was uncomfortable. I was fighting it, right? And so it brought me to a place after doing my step five of total surrender. Mm-hmm. And like, just, you know, I, yeah, like, what do you got for me today, God, mm-hmm. right? And how, you know, how can I be a better person than I was yesterday? And it's it's been such an amazing amazing journey and things still come up like i'm i'm not at 100 percent all the time mm-hmm. and i say that lots of the meetings too and like um there are definitely days where i i still feel that fighting inside of me but i am able now before that comes out and before i present that that fight to to the world around me i'm able to like it comes to a door where my my spiritual self is like is this an appropriate is this appropriate mm-hmm. right and I, I, I have such, so much more awareness of my, myself and um, my, I guess, defects, right? Like my, mm-hmm. my selfishness, self-centeredness. And um, yeah, I, and then I took, I took my one year and it was so amazing. And I'm going, I had this whole speech planned in my head of what I was going to say at my one year. And I got there and I stood up there and I just saw the room that I had grown up with Mm -hmm. right like this the room that had taken me from a stubborn manipulative selfish girl and turned me into a woman and like turned me into someone who cared about others genuinely and who 
saw the world in a different way mm-hmm. for the first time, right? I I looked at everyone and I was just like, I this is I'm just, this is incredible. Like I'm, <laughs> I had no words, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm a person of many words. Like I'm I'm a Gemini, and so I just you know blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah. And um, speaking of Gemini, this is the night of Gemini's. Yeah, Lana is a Gemini, Gemini as well. Yeah, yeah. Lana. I, love her she's fantastic i love lana she's amazing and you know there's there's so many people the recovery community in calgary is Mm. absolutely incredible i have i have never ever in my life had so many people that i just care about so deeply like and um that i would i would literally do anything for and i love every single person um that i have met so far like there's not one person that I could say that I wish, you know, I wish for terrible things to happen because I just, I'm not that person anymore, mm-hmm. right? And I, I definitely was. Like, in my active addiction, my alcoholism, like, I was, yeah, I was, I was the person that you would see across the room and be like, don't even talk to her, mm-hmm. right? Because she wants nothing from you, you know? Um, like, she, she genuinely wants, you know, She'll want everything you have, and then when it comes to you by yourself, not a thing. And mm-hmm. I, um, I just I care so deeply now, and like, it's it's incredible what recovery really does to you when you really put yourself in it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was told at the very beginning, I think I don't know who said it, I, <laughs> but they said put yourself right in the middle, mm-hmm. and that way you don't fall off the edge. Yeah. If you are hanging on the side, you know, there's a good chance that when things shift, that you'll fall. Yeah. Um, so I put myself right in the middle. Like I started uh, volunteering to chair meetings. Um, you know, you stay stay at the end of the meeting for the 20 minute smoke break that mm-hmm. we all have, right? Yeah. And you get to know people, and you know, you you make lots of friends in recovery, and and um, I. I noticed myself really early on, like I purged my Facebook, I purged my Instagram, like I got rid of all of the like party girl groups yeah. and pages or whatever that you like. And then I started liking like um, pages like Recovery Canada, mm. which is absolutely incredible. I, I can't get enough of it. Um, Put the Dope Down is another good one. Yeah. Narcotics Anonymous. Um, there's, a, there's so many good there's ones. There's so many. And yeah. then there's also ones, because I'm one of those people, I'm, there's like 12-step humor. Yeah. Pages. Of course, you got to have recovery there's humor so in there. funny and yeah. like memes all day, right? Um, yep. But like I, I, uh, I try and go to as many meetings as possible. I try to go to at least one new meeting a week. Mm-hmm. And in Calgary, it's so easy to do that. Like yeah. there's, there's so many all over the city at any all the time. time yeah and um yeah it's just it's been absolutely amazing and like doing things like this where you get to go and someone asks you to share your story um you know for the whole world to hear essentially and like i'm uh i'm so honored and flattered that i got to do this like i was so excited for this and uh i was just, so excited you agreed oh my gosh it's so like it's it's such an honor right when someone was like when someone asks you um to to share you know who you are how you came to to find yourself Mm -hmm. right because it's such a powerful thing and um 
yeah, like it's it's something that's uh, it's hard. Like there, for a lot of people, like it's it's really hard to mm-hmm. get there and, and to 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 express that. And right? some people never do. Yeah. Yeah. And I I've been so fortunate and and so blessed that I've been able to like speak at meetings and go to speaker meetings mm-hmm. and sit in and and listen to other people's stories too. I feel so honored when I go and hear people share mm-hmm. what has got them here, right? Um, because it's, you know, not all of us, not all of us make it, but yeah. not all of us, um, don't make it like yeah. there, there are so many incredibly inspiring stories and, um, and people's lives that are that just, it's just a treasure to mm-hmm. know them more. Yeah. And, and like, um, there was a few people who I know personally that have been on this podcast and like, I just hearing them like there were some like I cried like mm-hmm. I was sitting at home listening to the pilot like this is incredible like um and you you don't know right and mm-hmm. then you hear it and you're like wow yeah right I just I'm yeah it's it's so so amazing I'm I'm just I'm so honored like oh well thank you and see we're honored to have you because we we all recognize well we recognize that the importance and the sacred nature of the story right of the person's story and one of the reasons why we did the podcast to begin with was so that we could get all the incredible stories that you and I get to hear every day, yeah. right? And get them to people who might not ever hear it. Yeah. You know, and That's... because the, the stories are incredible. Yeah, no, right? it, it absolutely is. Um, I've, uh, yeah, I, I'm so just, I'm so grateful for this. Like this is, it's our thank you so much for having me. You're like, welcome. I've, I was really nervous to come in, but I'm, uh, yeah, I feel, I Th- feel lighter. You, well, you, good. you tell people you feel lighter, right? When you yeah. have that vulnerable moment, you're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> well, yeah, but you just said it. It's that vulnerable moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what people who haven't done this might not understand, yeah. right? Like, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do. Mm-hmm. One thing that I, I found out when I did my own was how vulnerable you feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. And so yeah. insecure. Like, yeah. Totally. I came into this. I was like, oh man. And I try, like, I've done a few speaker meetings, so I, mm-hmm. I try not to feel insecure. But those feelings always naturally come up, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, you're gonna, you're gonna offend someone, or you're gonna, yeah. like, someone is gonna go, I don't agree with that. And like, I don't know. I've, I'm a, I'm a Gemini, but my moon sign is Virgo. Mm-hmm. So I, and internally, I'm just such a perfectionist and such a like. Um, I have to have everything mentally like clicking and emotionally clicking or else I'm like, ah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I was like, you're excited. You're excited. And the power of like communication. Um, I've been struggling with my kids too lately mm-hmm. and like with the feeling of overwhelmness because I'm a single mom with three kids and I'm yeah. doing it all by myself at home. And, and um, I was reading this book. And I could not possibly tell you what the name of it is right now because my mind is just blanking. But it said, um, your choice of words is so powerful, right? Mm. And so I stopped saying that I'm overwhelmed or that I'm tired. And I started saying that I'm busy, Yeah. right? Because that's just what it is, right? Like, And it gives me a newfound acceptance of like, mm. busy is easy. I can handle busy, Yeah. right? What you can't handle is the overwhelming, the tired. Mm-hmm. And like, if you say that often enough to yourself, you start to believe it. Yeah. I think that goes with recovery too. Like if you start saying to yourself, I can't do this, this mm-hmm. is too hard, right? Then you never get there. Yeah. Or if you start saying, you know, this is hard, but I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. This is worthwhile. It's challenging. Yeah. 
but I'm going to make it, that it changes the way you perceive it. Oh, yeah. Right? And I think that's, uh, yeah. That'll, that'll help so in so many different ways as time moves forward, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most important lessons I've learned in this process is acceptance. Mm-hmm. And um, if, if I can't accept it when I'm talking about it, right, yeah. then that's, um, it's just going to, it's going to pull me back. So I, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I, I think I'm out of words. But That's okay. This is, this is so much fun. Like, I, yeah. this is going to be so interesting. To I, I am so grateful. Later. Yeah. Like I love hearing them again. And, um, I, especially people I don't know very well, right? Like yourself, yeah. which is just fantastic for me. Cause like, I get like a kid. I'm like, Oh my God, I get to hear a brand new story. And oh my gosh, it's, right. This is, must be the best job ever. Like this is the best part. Yeah. We like, I say it all the time. This is yeah. my favorite part of my job. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I uh, definitely like when I, I was talking about going back to school mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to get into addictions and I like because I I love the the therapeutic value mm-hmm. of one addict helping another, one yeah. alcoholic addict helping another is without parallel. And that's what they say, right? Is that it's just there. there's nothing like it. Nothing. And when I went yeah. to treatment, the counselors and the people that that I connected to the most were the people who had really been there, mm-hmm. and uh, you get to the best thing about recovery is you get to meet people who know exactly what you're going through, yeah. right? And you you know you have this understanding of each other before mm-hmm. you even know before you really even know what the story is behind it. You just you understand each other, yeah. and yeah. it's so powerful, so powerful. I'm so, yeah, yeah, it's so cool. So is there like if you were if you're able to say something. To someone out there in the dark, right, who might not have any idea what to do or whether they even need to do anything, but they do, right? Something you could say to them. Oh God. Um, or more than one thing, like. Yeah, I um, rock bottom became mm. the solid foundation of which I rebuilt my life. So, um, I, I don't know if you are if you feel like you're at the rock bottom. You know, your rock bottom doesn't have to be, you know, the, it doesn't have to be death. Mm-hmm. And I, I, as someone who has known and loved, um, someone with the disease of addiction who's passed away, mm-hmm. uh, there's someone out there who loves you, even if you don't feel it, even if you don't, mm-hmm. even if you, if you know in your heart that no one out there loves you, you are wrong. Mm. you were wrong because someone out there cares about you and wants you to live your life wants you not to die and so you know if if you're at the bottom um make it make it the solid foundation and rebuild your life on it because that uh that desperation for life and yeah. for um just you know for 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 life that's mm-hmm. that's what it is right is that we get to a place where we don't think anything is ever going to change. Yeah. And I, and I was there too. Like I, I was like, you know, this, this is how I'm going to die. Yeah. And I felt that on multiple occasions, right? I mm-hmm. was like, this is where I'm going to die. And that's, and that's fine. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do about it. And that's what I thought. I said, there's not a thing mm-hmm. I can do about it. This is the way I go. And I was wrong. Yeah. Thank God that I was wrong. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's, um, you know, there's people that, that, that don't ever get a chance to find recovery yeah. and find themselves. And it's, um, 
yeah, all I can say is that if you're out there and you are listening or if you are wondering if you are, then you probably are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I've heard that a lot in the rooms too. And mm-hmm. that if you, if you think that you are struggling with alcoholism, if you think you are struggling with addiction, you probably are. Yeah. And there is no shame in, in getting help and, you know, finding, finding your way back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's so incredibly worth it. Like it, I, there's not one single thing, um, that I want in this world more than the life I have now. And that is saying something mm-hmm. for someone who has always chased more, better, bigger. Um, I'm, I'm so content and at peace with the person I am, but with everything that's gone on around me in the last couple of years, like good and bad, mm-hmm. you know, it has brought me to a place of, of acceptance and I finally feel comfortable with myself, yeah. right? Growing up, I like when you, when you're this, this disease, it starts when you're born. Like you, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it, uh, it uh, doesn't discriminate. And it, we all, we all feel that we all feel like we are not comfortable just with being who we are. And we chase more, you know, sex, drugs, toxic relationships, drinking, you know, binge shopping, gambling. It's, you know, it's anything to help fill that, that need to be accepted or be ourselves comfortably. Right. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I can't even imagine mm-hmm. a world where I would be more comfortable than I am now with myself. Yeah. And that's, that's saying a lot. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. And it's, you know, it's achievable. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't think it was that it was so ingrained in myself that I, I, I didn't believe it. If mm. you would have told me that a couple of years ago, three years ago when I was 14, right? Um, if you would have told me that at any of those times, I would have laughed in your face and mm. told you to fuck off probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> right? Because I, there was no way that I could believe that I could be myself and that people mm. would accept me or that I would accept myself. Um, and I think that's, that's the beauty of, of all of this is that we, we get to truly figure out who we are, right? Mm. Without all the outside bullshit that we bring in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Perfect. I couldn't, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't have ended it any better than that. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andre. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, like I'm just, yeah. It's our pleasure. Thank Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode Thank you for your time, and please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca, or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.